Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Thank you for loving the Lord through your worship, but also through your life. Because this is supposed to be the overflow of the rest of your, your week, isn't it? Isn't it? And if it's not, I challenge, challenge you to move a little bit further with that. Um, today is a continuation of, of our conversations. Uh, really, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful word that actually, if you look behind it, it's all about prayer. That's what this, this conversation, these four conversations in the month of March are about. Our conversations with the Lord God. So if you would, um, we're going to land in a few of these places. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to jaunt to Luke chapter 11 and uh, Luke chapter 18. Some of the scriptures will be up there, um, and I I trust that you will follow along with us. Um, If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have a handheld Bible, um, I I suggest that you snag one from the backside of the pew. That's for you. Uh, even if it doesn't have your name on it, your name's on it. Take it. It's free. Uh, we firmly believe that the Word of God is the truth of God that impacts our life and helps us view our life and the lives of others very, very differently. And so I just highly suggest you pull that out, take that home with you, make it your own. Over the years, um, I have become very enamored by the uh, many uh, theories that have been developed by people about prayer. One, uh, one of those theories is, is the many name theory. That this theory is if, if you use God's name as many times as you possibly can in prayer, and in as many different forms in prayer, that He'll actually hear you. Like, Heavenly Father, Lord our God Almighty... You are our Redeemer, our love, our Lord, our Lord, our Lord. Maybe He'll just hear us if we use His name as many times as possible. There's there's the old English theory that God only listens to us when we use His name with these and thou's and use a lot of th's in our language. Thou art holy, F. I beseecheth you. Wait, he didn't hear me. I didn't use it right. I beseecheth thee. Right? That's the old English theory. There's also the wordy theory. That God is impressed by the many words that we use. And that kind of goes in line with the eloquence theory. That when you pray, you have to have your Bible in one hand and a thesaurus in the other. 
Now, I'm not going to give you an example of those because you've already told me that my sermons are way too long anyways. But those also kind of go in line to the never listen theory of prayer. That the idea is that, you know what? We're the one that always should be talking and God's the only one that should be listening. And then there's the I don't know how to pray theory of prayer. Well, I don't know how to pray, so I don't pray. And to that I say, when you were crawling, you didn't know how to walk. You eventually started walking. So just start praying, and you'll learn how to pray. Right? There's all kinds of theories. There's all kinds of assumptions and superstitions and formulas that people create thinking that, hey, if I just do it this way, God will hear me. He'll listen to what I have to say. Well, honestly, it's not much different from way back in the day when Jesus was actually teaching to not only his disciples, but a crowd about prayer. We find this in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. If you would open up, if you haven't already. He starts off in verse 5. I think I may have it up there. Boop. There we go. Verse 5. And when you pray, pause. And when you pray, Jesus is assuming that you and I will pray. We'll have a conversation with God. What does Jesus know that we often forget or we're not even aware of? I heard it this week from Erwin McManus that we're designed to hear the voice of God. Whether you believe in God or not, you have been designed to hear the voice of God. That in the core of your being, your soul, that is the the place and the space in which God's voice goes into, speaks into, Though we are in a material world and there are all these voices from within the material world who want to steal our soul, God's voice actually wants to steer our soul in a direction. Jesus understands the teenager, the kid, the young adult, the seasoned vet, that all of us are designed to hear the voice of God. And in fact, I believe, because Scripture shows this, that whether you believe in God or not, He's actually speaking to you in your life. You may not be hearing it by all the voices that you're hearing from the world, but He is speaking to you. So, if we're designed to hear God's voice then we're also designed to have a conversation with our God, our Creator, our Designer. So Jesus' statement, when you pray, He assumes that you are designed because He is the Designer. He's the expert on you. He's the expert from heaven to earth. And so, you know, why not listen to the expert on your design? So, when you pray, 
And he continues. Verse 5, this is not up on the screen. Do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Now, however much that I'd, I'd love to unpack this, I'm wondering if most of us aren't even there. Because what I often hear is, I just struggle to pray. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what it looks like. I don't even know how to do it. What Jesus is saying there is, watch your motives. You're not praying so that other people can see you. No. You're praying to know and be known. That is the primary purpose, the ultimate purpose of prayer, is to know and be known by God. To know God, hear His voice, and be known by God. He listens to your voice. Just check your motive. But let's continue here. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now this is where the prayer closet comes into play. Folks, back in the first century, they didn't have a prayer closet. They didn't have a closet. They had a one-room house. Jesus' prayer closet was on mountainsides, by lakes, in gardens. Oh, his prayer closet is anywhere he is, right? Let's keep going. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is, Jesus is talking about the pagan prayer plan. You ever heard of the pagan prayer plan? Well, it kind of is in line with a lot of those theories that I had mentioned that many of us have conjured up when we go to the Lord in prayer. That if I say the right words or do the right thing or, or even make sure that I say His name in so many ways, He'll hear us. The pagan prayer plan is this. One, tell the gods what they want to hear. Two, wear them out with what you're saying. Then maybe they'll answer your prayer. That word, keep on babbling, he's referring to the Greeks and the Jews who, who have a plethora of gods. When we go, my wife and I have really started to enjoy um, craft vanilla cream sodas. And when we go to this, this, this shop in, in Troy, and you, you go into this candy shop, there are just like, it feels like literally hundreds of, of bottles of soda on the wall from so many different types of places and bottlers. There's vanilla cream soda, there's cream soda, there's root beer, there's sassafras, there's, there's dill. Have you ever had a dill soda? That's disgusting. There's huckleberry. There's blueberry. There's seltzer. There's so many choices. This is like the plethora of gods for the Greeks and the Romans. They have so many choices to choose from. 
And when they hone in and they, they need something in their life, they start babbling. That word, you might apply it to preachers sometimes, but really, the babbling is meaningless, hollow words that are repetitious over and over and over. They thought that they can evoke the gods who didn't want anything to do with them by their incantations, by saying the names of the gods in a very particular way. They thought their words were magical. And if that didn't work, they were going to repeat them and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them them over and over and over and over and over again. Kind of like your kids. Mom, mom, mom. Mom, dad, 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 what do you want? Stop it! I'll give you whatever you want, just quit! That, that's never happened to you, has it? Right? Jesus says when you pray, because he assumes we're going to pray, because we're designed to pray. We're designed to hear the voice of God. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. Folks, why? He says, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So today, I want to unlock something for you. My wife's set of keys is really smaller than mine. She has like seven keys on her little key thing. And there's one key that gets us into the house. It's the house key. Now, obviously, the car key looks different than the rest of the keys, but when it's the house key, she actually had an applicator, a green applicator on that house key that helped us understand which key gets into the house. It broke off, separated itself from that, and stayed on the key ring. So now the house key looks like the closet key, looks like the apartment key. I don't know which key it is. And how many times we're standing at the door to unlock the door to our apartment, and we can't figure out which key it is, and we put one key in there because it looks like the rest of it try to turn it doesn't open the door today i want to unlock the door for you i want to open the door for you because there's a key that frees us in conversations with our creator i want you to have the key today if you will jump over to luke chapter 11 because jesus kind of gives us a key he gives us that key in these parables, which seem simple, but they're deceptively simple. Because often, when we read parables, we think we understand what they mean. Hopefully you'll see that today. But they're deceptively simple because they're just like reality. But hidden behind them is a truth about God. Truths that we often assume. But our assumptions are wrong. So if you would, Luke chapter 11, 
And this is how it all starts. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying. He assumes you and I are going to pray. He's praying because we're designed to have a conversation. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. That's his closet. It's a place. When he finished, one of his, own, his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, then he goes into the Lord's Prayer, what we understand to be the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, again, he assumes we're going to pray, we're designed to pray, we're designed to have conversations. Say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. He's given us a design. Then he follows it up with this parable, a deceptively simple story with a hidden truth about God in the backdrop. So if you would, you can follow along. I call this the parable of the seeking host and sleeping friend. There's no real name to it. But I call it the seeking host and the sleeping friend because I often get confused. Now I know people who are in the, the parable. It helps me sort it out. Here it is. Then he said to them, suppose one of you. Pause for a second. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to you. And he's saying, suppose one of you. Jesus is literally having you enter the story. Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Let's pause. Suppose one of you has a friend. Essentially, suppose you are at home and it's in the middle of the night and one of your friends comes to your door. Hey, I'm on a journey. I'm traveling here. Can I stay at your house? Now, in first century Palestine, as good Jews do, they're obligated to host. You would be obligated to host the friend that has come to your door who's on a journey because there's honor with that obligation. There's honor in hospitality. And so... Come on in, friend. Let me feed you, because you must be tired and hungry from your journey. Oh, you go to the pantry. There's nothing in the pantry. Not even bread. Taco smell is closed. There is no fourth meal. There's no market to go to. What do I do? Well, tell you what, friend. Relax. Put your feet up. I'll be back. And you, wanting to be that good host, that hospitable host, goes to one of your friends. And you knock on that door, just like that traveler who has come to your house. Kind of makes sense right now. But watch and let's see what happens. Then, the one inside, the sleepy friend, you're the seeking host. And the sleepy friend says this. Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. In other words, do you know what time it is? You know 
We have one room in the house. Everybody's in the same bed. The lights are off. And he's probably not yelling like I am. He's probably saying it like this. Don't bother me. Everybody's asleep. I can't get up. I can't get you anything. Because if I get up, they get up. And you know how hard it is to put them back to bed. Sleepy friend. Actually, he's probably really annoyed right now. But watch what Jesus does. Because Jesus is making this story up. Either in the moment or has already made this up a while back to teach something. Watch what he says. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. At the end of the story, the seeking host walks away with three loaves of bread. My question to you is, who's the bold one? Who's the bold one in the story? And in fact, if we pull the curtain back on the language, it actually means shameless audacity. Who's the one that's shameless in the story? And honestly, here's an even better question. Which person represents God in the story? This is where pastors, preachers, teachers, Sunday school teachers, they often connect the boldness of the seeking host. The seeking host to the boldness that he, you, and I are the shameless one. But again, if you pull the curtain back, in the language, the shameless audacity is actually connected to the sleeping friend. The one that's annoyed. The one that's being disturbed and inconvenienced. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't that throw a monkey wrench into our theology and our understanding of the parable? You're right, it does. Because what the sleepy friend doesn't want to see happen the day after is the sleepy friend does not want to be disgraced in the community as an unhospitable person. It's a good Jew who is hospitable to those around them. It's almost this cultural expectation to be hospitable to those that are around you to be the good neighbor so the sleepy friend wants to save face and not be disgraced in the community the sleepy friend is self-serving and self-preserving that's the motivation notice what Jesus says I tell you Though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Even the relationship is not the motivation to get up and get out of bed and give the guy three loaves of bread. So who's the shameless one? The sleepy friend. Ambrose, haven't we often thought that the seeking host is us and the sleepy friend is God? Let's talk about that for a second. Let's just say the sleepy friend is God. 
What does that say to you and me? It says that God is inaccessible. He's behind closed doors that are locked. That he is inconvenienced by even the slightest request. This is not a three-course meal, folks. This is three loaves of bread. Simple sustenance. That God is inconvenienced by our simple, urgent, emergency request. That he really doesn't want to get up and help us anyways. And quite frankly, the fact that God is a sleepy God freaks me out. So what's Jesus saying here? Well, let's go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. It's another one of these deceptively simple stories that Jesus shares with his disciples. I call this the parable of the unjust judge and the wrong, persistent widow. We often call this the the parable of the persistent widow. Focusing in on the widow's persistence. Well, let's watch what happens and what goes down. See, first Luke says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray, which is good. Why? Because we're designed to pray. We're designed to hear the voice of God. That's your design. And he assumes that you're going to pray. So should always pray. Pray consistently. Have that conversation. Then he says, never give up. Don't lose heart. And here is the story. Deceptively simple. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men, people. Now, let's pause for a second. Jesus' camera comes in and focuses in on this certain town, and you can just kind of see it like a movie, moving closer and closer right into the, the courthouse, right onto this judge. The qualities that Jesus describes this judge is that he doesn't fear God and doesn't care about men. Let's unpack that for a second. A judge who is supposed to judge and bring justice, ethically and moral issues within the community. The Old Testament law elevates the orphan and the widow. That those are the two that we must make sure have justice. But this judge himself has no moral or ethical binding. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't fear God. Meaning, he's only answerable to himself. And he doesn't care about people. In some versions, this is, he doesn't think much about people. In other words, there's no compassion, there's no empathy, He doesn't really care about your opinion. He doesn't care about the case that you make for yourself. And as Jesus does, it's beautiful. Watch what he says. As he makes up the story, he says, And there was a widow. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. The widow. Symbol of the powerless the oppressed, the voiceless of society. You ever feel powerless in your life? You ever feel voiceless in your life? 
Everybody's out to get you. She pleads a case because somebody who has become an adversary possibly has withheld money, debt, some type of finances or inheritance. We don't know. The only place she can come to is to this judge who's unjust. Watch what Jesus does in this deceptively simple story. For some time, he refused. Why? The first time she comes before the judge, she pleads her case. Away. Go away from me. The unjust judge shows his character and his integrity, which is nil. Why? Why does he refuse her case? Possibly because she doesn't have anything to grease the palm. Possibly he's waiting her out so that he can have bribes on her. Or maybe he's waiting for that adversary so he can get bribes out of the adversary. We don't know, but he refuses her. Then, we enter in the mind of the unjust judge. He says, even though I do not fear God or care about men, yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, Sounds like the sleepy neighbor. Because the knocking at the door. No relationship, no friendship. I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out. Literally. So she doesn't blacken my eye. It's kind of the moment of, it's the opposite of, Muhammad Ali's rope-a-dope. Muhammad Ali's rope-a-dope rope stands up against the ropes for several rounds and takes a beating. Takes a beating to wear the other person out. So that the other person, at some point later in the rounds, Ali takes them out because they're worn out. It's, it's almost the opposite of the rope-a-dope. Right? I don't want to get worn out. I don't want a blackened eye. So... I'm going to give her justice. And Jesus says, listen to what the unjust judge says. Back to what he says. I don't fear God. I'm unethical. I'm, I don't have any morals. I really don't care about this woman whatsoever. I just don't want to get worn out. I don't want a black eye. I just don't want to get tired of this woman. I want to preserve myself. I want to serve myself. So I'm just going to give her what she wants. I'm going to give her justice. Has nothing to do with relationship, has nothing to do with compassion or empathy. And then Jesus says, here's your key. Here's the key that unlocks it all. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice in quick. Jesus says, here's your key. Unlocks it all. The sleepy friend. Inconvenienced interrupted, 
wants to save face, preserve himself in the community, keep his reputation. If the sleepy friend gets up and gives the seeking host some bread just to preserve himself, how much more, how much more will your heavenly Father give you who is loving, who is compassionate, who is generous. If the unjust judge who has no morals or ethical value, has no binding in his life, decides to go ahead and give this woman justice, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is just, who is right, who is holy, who is loving, will give to you in me because he is loving to you because he cares for you the key is how much more go back to Luke chapter 11 real quick watch what Jesus goes down after he says this parable after he gives this story he kind of sums it up He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, lost my spot. There it is. Wow, I need glasses. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Watch it. You ready for this? Watch how Jesus uses the key and turns the door and opens it to us all. Which of you fathers? I just say, which of you parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, those who love kids, your kids, your nieces and nephews, which of you, if your son or your niece or nephew asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Now, unless you really want a snake, I don't know about that. But which of you asks for a fish, food, sustenance, will give him a snake? Which of you, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? I don't think Jesus knew the price of eggs in 2023. I probably would give a scorpion for the price of eggs today. No, no. If you, though you are evil, remember He's looking at the human heart here. Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts. You're not going to give chintzy gifts. You're not going to give something other than the sustenance for your child so that they can grow up and, 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 and do the things they need to do. He says, how, how much more Will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more? Folks, that's the key that unlocks the conversations and frees us up with our conversations with God. How much more? The two parables aren't, aren't this one's God and this one's the seeker. No. The one who's giving in the parables, though they are evil, and they give those things that are requested, how much more will your Father listen to you? Hear you? 
care for you. Love you. Because that is his nature. That's his essence. When you pray, because we're designed to pray. We're designed to hear the voice of God in our soul. When you have conversations with your creator, the one who knows you best, the one who loves you more than your your spouse, your kids, your boyfriends, your girlfriends, the one who loves you, how much more. So, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Why? Because your Father knows what you need before you even ask. He wants you to ask. Because how much more will He give you? So hopefully today, not only are we going to employ prayer is simply knowing God and being known by God. I'm going through puberty. Forgive me. To know God and be known by God. But conversations with God? Oh, don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. So this week, I'd like for you to employ this how much more. When you go into conversation with God, how much more will He give you than anyone else who knows you, who loves you, cares for you? How much more? Keep it simple, because He already knows what you need. Just come to know Him and be known by Him. So in this moment, I'd like us to do that right now. We're almost done. Would you mind just bowing your heads? Posture is important. Bow your heads. Just focus in your heart and your mind for just one moment. And I would like for you just to verbally talk with God. God, I'm here. I want to listen to you. How much more you love me. So let me hear you now. Would you go ahead and do that? Give you a moment.
don't. That you're listening to all these conversations right now. Father, we want to know you deeply. We want to be known by you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for listening. Thank you for loving us. When I think about all the things that my mom and my dad provided for me over the years, not only because they were obligated, but because they loved me. How much more you love me than they do. Thank you. Make my heart and our hearts like yours. It's in your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Keep it simple. Even if you don't know how to pray, remind yourself. You didn't know how to walk. You just started. You stumbled, you fell. You got back up, you stumbled, you fell. Eventually, you run across the room. If you don't know how to pray, just start praying. Keep it simple. He knows what you need. And how much more He loves you than anyone else. Would you please stand? I appreciate you. We love you here. Be free this week. Step into that freedom. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Be blessed. We'll see you soon. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.